This is the Greg Bedard Patriots Podcast with Nick Cavins. Welcome into this Tuesday edition of the Greg Bedard Patriots podcast. Brendan Glasheen subbing in for Nick Cattles. Greg Bedard here as well. Of course, we are brought to you by betonline.ag and also LinkedIn Jobs. Uh, The fastest and easiest way to bet, of course, betonline.ag to bet all of your favorite sports in LinkedIn. Proud sponsor of the program. Greg, uh, we've had a chance now to let the, the game from... Saturday night process and marinate. Uh, what are our what are our leadoff thoughts? Patriots get blown out. They lose four or five to end their season. Yeah, my leadoff thoughts have to start with the defense, uh, Brennan. I mean, it was um, watching the film. It was the uh, the most pathetic, passive defensive performance I have ever seen out of a Patriots defense. I mean, it was just it was atrocious. They didn't they didn't even try to put up a fight. Brennan, um, this was not a case of them just being overwhelmed by Josh Allen and the Bills and all their, you know, now they were at full strength as opposed to the last time they had, you know, um, Beasley back and they had Gabriel Davis back and, Mm -hmm. you know, the running game has been working for them. Um, this, This was not a case of the Bills just overwhelming the Patriots and like playing like a perfect game. It wasn't that. It wasn't that at all. And anybody who thinks that, anybody who is resting on the thought that Josh Allen has just become too good this year, he's too hot right now, the, you know, I don't fault the Patriots. I don't fault Bill Belichick for, for this loss. I, you know, I'm just going to, I'm just going to say it was just the Bills being great and we were just bad. We were just a bad game. Don't do that. Do not do right. that. If you do that, you are ignoring the last month of the season. If the Patriots were playing great defense, Brennan, for the last month and this this happened, then yes, you could absolutely say this. But I don't know how you can you can do that with a good conscience if you watched the Indianapolis Colts who were scared of their quarterback, the Miami Dolphins who were scared of their quarterback, also during this, this little streak here. Mm-hmm. You know, those teams didn't even – they didn't even trust their quarterbacks and they still put up a bunch of yards and a bunch of points against the Patriots. And so this just follows along with that. Are the bills more talented than those teams? Hell yeah. That's why it was much worse. And, you know, you can make the case that if Emmanuel Sanders doesn't drop a pass, if, uh, if uh, Josh Allen doesn't miss Kumaro wide open in the end zone in the last time that this would have happened the last time, you know, this is two straight games it's not a one-off. So my, my, my biggest takeaway from this is do not excuse this. Okay. It was not just Josh Allen. He was, he was very good in this game. He was, but the Patriots did not put up a fight. They barely put pressure. I think I had them for three uh, blitzes in this game. They played soft in the back end. Basically what the film shows is that Bill Belichick went into this game and said, once Jalen Mills went into COVID, uh, that was the straw that broke the camel's back. You know, they had already traded Stephon Gilmore. Jonathan Jones got injured for the year. We already knew they were limited in terms of what they could do in the secondary. That's why they played zone most of the year and got away with it against the crappier teams. Uh, But once Jalen Mills went on COVID, 
and wasn't available for this game, basically the Patriots looked. This is the way they went out there, Brendan. This is on film. They went out there and said, we can't stop this team. We can't match up with the Bills. So what we're going to do is we're just going to play back. Hopefully they check it down, maybe take, you know, 10, 12, 15 plays. And at some point in the cold weather, there's a tip. We get loose. We not we we strip sack. Josh Allen throws us one. That's basically our defensive plan is to hope for the best. And that's what they went out there and did. The Bills are not that team anymore. And the Patriots looked old, slow, ineffective. Just to give people an idea. When they were going well, and I grade the film, I do plus minus. Was this a was this a good play, better than average, or lower than average? You know, most of the time when the Patriots defense was going well, I'd probably have 20 plus plays and maybe, I don't know, 10 minus plays or something like that. In this game, I had the Patriots for 11 plus plays and 49 minus plays. Like that's just, it's bad football. And to me, that's where you have to start with this game. So with all that being said, we, we wonder that the question now becomes, how did it get to this point? I know that could that leads to in into more bigger picture thoughts, but just specifically on this game, doesn't it go back to what we talked about last week? You start wondering about buy-in and if indeed what you said, that that approach to what the film told you, well, that to me then means, Greg, and please correct me if I'm wrong, but it, that to me means then, well, schematically the players went out there and they didn't execute as to how they wanted to. And it feels like there was a disconnect there between what yeah, well, they intended wanted to happen and what the players are like, this is, this isn't going to work. And it just, the buy-in. Yeah, I, but I think, I, I think the approach put the players in a, in a no-win situation. And I think yeah. some of their effort reflected that. I think that the Patriots got to this week and, you know, basically they got the plan from the great Bill Belichick, and trust me, I don't think any less of Bill Belichick, the coach, because of what happened, okay? Because you need to start with this. The Patriots in this second phase of the dynasty and the rise of the defense or the reclamation of this defense had to do with their ability to play man coverage. You know, when you can do that, that started with Aqib Tlaib and went on to Darrell Revis and Brandon Browner and then Stephon Gilmore. When you can do that, or when you have basically all the weapons in your arsenal, if you can play good man-to-man defense, it's it's going to be a tough time for all the best quarterbacks in the league, and it, and it and it frees you up to spin the dial more. You can do different things. The Stephon Gilmore trade, which yeah. you, you could say whatever you want about it, okay? Because who knows? Bill could have been right. I, as far as I know, the reasoning for the trade was Stephon Gilmore. I, we don't think he's ever going to be healthy this year. And so we don't think that 75% Stefan Gilmore is worth what the balance of his contract is. So we'd be better off going cheaper and getting rid of him and getting the cat, you know, whatever. So that was the rationale. I, I don't necessarily disagree with that because I'm not on the inside. I don't have the medical reports, but there's little question that trading Stefan Gilmore left the secondary thin. Basically you were hoping JC Jackson, and Jonathan Jones, at least, would stay healthy because those are two elite man corners at what they do. J.C. Jackson at number two, Jonathan Jones at slot. Jonathan Jones gets hurt. Now, all of a sudden, 
you know, now all of a sudden the Patriots had to play a lot more zone defense. So that's where you start. And we, and we talked about it on this podcast during the season. Cause I was asking around the bye week I asked a personnel executive from another team that studied the Patriots intently. And he was very high on the Patriots. And I asked the question, I said, can they still play zone defense the further they go? And he said, yes, if they continue to get the pressure that they're getting, which was basically Matthew Judon and Christian Barmore. That evaporated against the better teams. Therefore, they could not play zone. You can't cover for that long. I mean, Josh Allen with nine seconds to throw the touchdown pass to Dawson Knox, no one could cover that long, even in that short of an era in the, in the red zone. Um, so that's where you have to start in terms of the downfall of this defense. And it's, and, and it's in the numbers. I mean, I asked my friend Aaron Schatz, at footballoutsiders.com. I asked him because what you get a lot from people in explaining this game, especially people who want to make excuses for Bill Belichick and the Patriots who no. don't want to who don't want to be fair and balanced. They will say, "Have you ever seen this done to a Bill Belichick defense? The Patriots were a top 5 defense this year and they just did that." When were the Patriots a top 5 defense? Like in the first 8 games of the season? Like what are you even talking about? Basically, if you make that comment, it's one of those, tell me you know nothing about football without telling me you know nothing about football. Because, and I asked Aaron, I said, what were the numbers for the final five weeks of the season, including this game? And and in the final five weeks of the season, in terms of their metric, DVOA, that yep. looks at the average play across the league, all right? They compare every play to down and distance, opponent, location, everything. They compare it to the league average. In weeks 15 through 18, the Patriots ranked 32nd overall in defense, 31st in pass defense, 32nd in rush defense. Now, Aaron, who is a Patriots fan, and he also likes his numbers, so he, he uh, that's a whole nother tangent. But anyways, I, he said, well, take out the last week, even though I don't know why you would take out the last week. The Patriots played a familiar opponent who they've already played, who's already part of that. But anyways, let's take Aaron for at his word. Let's take out the final week. In weeks 15 through 18, not right. including the playoff game, they were 15th overall in defense, 14th overall against the pass, and 24th against the rush. So what are we talking about here? We're not – so stop talking about Bill Belichick and and a, a Patriots defense because this was not a Patriots defense. And so getting back to what you're talking about, about the, the game plan and the errors on the defense. To yeah. me, I think I would relate them this way. I think that they got the plan this week. The players got the plan, or at least when it was clear Jalen Mills was not going to play. And they saw the plan, which was basically, oh, we're just going to like sit back and just hope for the best against the Bills. And I think that I think that the players lost some steam in that. And I think something that we'll touch on later, I think this was a theme in the final five games. Everyone's like, what happened to the defense after the bye week? I've gotten a little bit of intel on that. We will talk about that a little bit later in the show. But I think this is intertwined, where it was like these guys didn't like the plan and it didn't put them in the best position, which everyone says that Bill Belichick normally does, which he does. And these guys just failed. They, they were not enthused about the game plan and about what they were asked to do, and their play on the field reflected that. So it's to your point about that, and I'm sure we'll get into this. It speaks to the Matthew Slater comment about how we need to stick together. And now that kind of had adds value when you consider 
what it looked like and what you think the film told. And then looking at those DVOA percentages, it makes it what, what should really scare you as a Patriots fan is that's how potentially how dominating Buffalo could be in this division going forward. If that's how drastic of a change that one game made going forward um, on the Matthew Judon. I know we've, we've spent some time on him on this show, but just, yep. just speaking to what, this game was. He played on just 22 of the 56 defensive snaps. That's 39%. What's up with that? Just for this game. Like, what's yeah, up not, with that? Not right? o- yep, not only that, but let's just look at the facts. He did not start the game. The only game yeah. that he did not start this year was Jacksonville after COVID. He barely played in that game. That's the only game he didn't start. Not only that, but he did not start the second half. So what happened was Juwan Bentley got hurt. They went in a halftime. They said, all right, what are, what are we going to do? And they came out, and what they did was Bentley got hurt. So they opened up with Van Noy and Hightower on the edge, three guys inside, which I thought, you know, was – I thought they would do. You needed to basically go with a five-man rush against Josh Allen, which they didn't do. They lined up in. They didn't do. So that's the way they decided they were going to attack this game. But to start the second half, Juwan Bentley was the one linebacker. It was basically a 5-1. Juwan Bentley got hurt. So they moved Hightower to Bentley's spot. And then did they insert Judon at right edge? No. They passed, they they put Jamie Collins in there. So yeah. even with an injury and what was going on in the game, the the Patriots still decided that we're gonna keep Matthew Judon in a little package. Now, look, I don't know a hundred percent what has been going on with Matthew Judon. Um, From what I understand, and I'm sure a lot of people want to say, it's injury, he must be dealing with something, blah, blah, blah. That's maybe why he was limited in terms of his playing time. That could be true. I don't know that to be 100% not true. He was not on the injury report. I don't think it was injury-related. From what from the people I have talked about, or, yeah. or talked to about sort of the conclusion of the season, uh, it could be personal. I think there was a thing at some point, um, from what I understand. But what I know is that, according to people in the building, after the bye week, Matthew Judon did not have the same energy, did not have the same buy-in. And as we talked about last week, Brendan, you know, the way he played in the final five games was reminiscent of, to me of the way I looked at Malcolm Butler in 2017 towards the end of that season. And I wrote at the end of that season, Malcolm Butler deserves to be benched. Uh, I wrote that in about mid-December. He was benched eventually in the Super Bowl. and And I also wrote, it would not surprise me if Matthew Judon was benched to start this game or at some point. And that's what happened. It's on film. And if you're a Patriots fan, you are praying and hoping that he's hurt. And that's the issue. Maybe it is. I'm not entirely ruling it out. But I can hear in your voice. I can hear in your voice why you might be doubtful of that. Because then the response to that would be, why even put him out there? To your point, right? Right. About in terms of location. I mean, why not play Josh Uche? Why not have if 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 Matthew Judon is nicked up to the point where you're not sure what you're going to get out of him? Why not have Chase Winovich active? So that just tells you there's further evidence of it wasn't injury related. It, it, it's something else. And now you're like, oh boy, what happens? Cause they've given him a lot of money. 
you know, the people start to bring up, is this Adelius Thomas too, where Adelius Thomas got off to a hot start with the Patriots and then all of a sudden, you know, he was gone. And I, I can't tell you, I mean, I've enjoyed covering Matthew Judon. I've heard mo- almost entirely good things about him, but in this game, I had him for one run stuff and four minus plays. That just goes along with his final other final four games this year where it's just he's gone straight downhill, almost a complete 180 from where he was before the bye week. Yeah, it makes you wonder if it's if it's injury or they're, they're almost using a player now that makes an average annual sal- salary of over $13 million in, in spot situations. And in those spots, it, it didn't feel right. Uh, another thought here uh, on the game, just thoughts on Bill Belichick on fourth down. You had some questions I'm, about how conservative he was. Yeah, again, I hated it. I thought even uh, even very early on in the game, um, sorry, I ruffle um, feathers here, but you know, when they, they came out and they ran three straight plays and, and first of all, listen, I mean, I'm sure we'll touch on it before, but the, it's not like the offensive execution wasn't good either. The very first play of the game, Johnny Smith blocks the wrong guy. And instead of a run going for about 30 yards, it goes for two yards. Uh, and that kind of stuff went on throughout the game, but in the second quarter, so that drive that went end of the first into the second, they go three straight rushes. Um, you know, on third down, Damian Harris has to find out a way to pick up that first down. I mean, he just ran out of bound. The ball's in his left arm. He's got to dive for that. They got it. He's got to convert. He doesn't. He comes up short, and Belichick punts. It was it was 14 nothing at that point. It's going to be fourth and inches. He doesn't ask for a measurement, nothing. He just punts. I'm sorry, but – Every game is unique, and it's win or go home. You've now watched the Bills. You haven't made the Bills punt in a game in two possessions. That they're, They've scored now yeah. touchdowns on four consecutive – dating back to the last game, I think four consecutive touchdown drives against you. Like, you, Bill had to at that point say, all right, we got to go for this because if we punt it back, they're just going to score again. I have no faith in my defense. You know, the plan isn't very good. I thought he should have gone for it there uh, just to give him, his team a chance. And then later on, the foot in the next drive, fourth and eight, they had third and 20. They go to Bolden for 12 yards when he juggles the ball about 18 times, catches it. It's fourth and eight at the New England 49. It's now 20 to nothing with 353 left in the first half. You got to go for it. I'm sorry. You know, hope for a penalty, maybe, you know, something. But you can't You can't punt there. And what happens? The Bills get the ball back and they go down. It's 27 nothing at halftime. Like, you know, it's just, it's just been a theme this year that Belichick has not demonstrated confidence in this team, any parts of it, especially the offense. Uh, you know, I thought he should have taken the ball to start this game, yes. that that was their best chance uh, to win this game that, you know, you know, you're talking about hairpin turns against the bills. Like you guys haven't stopped the nosebleed in like two months. Like the offense needs help. They need extra possessions, like get them an extra possession. Your best chance probably was to take the ball, go down, hopefully score, sort of stun the bills and maybe go from there. So I just thought all of it, Way too conservative for this team, the way they played in the last five weeks of the season. So we'll get into some positives from the game and really turn those positives into how we look at this team going forward. But Greg, before we do that, let's learn more from uh, Bet Online. 
Yeah, Bet Online would like to wish you a happy new betting year as we continue our march towards the playoffs and beyond. Bet Online remains the number one spot for all your best sports wagering action for 2022. New year and a new updated desktop and mobile website to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Just use our promo code CLNS50, that's CLNS50, to get started from football, basketball, hockey, boxing, and UFC right to your favorite Vegas casino games. Don't wait to take advantage of all the amazing offers available for 2022. Bet Online is the fastest and easiest way to wager on all your favorite sports. Bet Online, where the game starts. Hopefully, folks had a good weekend uh, on Bet Online. Um, hope, you, hope you didn't take the under in that game, Patriots Bills. And uh, also looking forward to two great days of football this weekend for a divisional round weekend, which I'm uh, sure we'll way, discuss. I think, we won, I think we won all our bets, or I think I won all my picks um, last week. And you did mean Bills. So I did say 44, and by the time the game started, I think it was 49. I mean, I picked the Bills 27 17. I missed 20 points on their end. Uh, I thought the Patriots might stop them a few times, but, uh, and I think all the other games, I think we got right, but uh, you know, that's for Thursday. Yeah. We'll talk about the okay. the, the next round. Yeah, certainly the S- San Francisco was, it was a hot pick I think here as well from as far as, a, as yep. an underdog uh, that did win yep. outright in that game. Mm-hmm. So positives from Buffalo. I think there are a lot of ways to, we, we should there. do the three up three down just oh, to do true. that real Let's quick. That. Yeah. And I'm sure maybe and that can maybe, roll into that. Okay. So you want to do the downs first or the or the, or the ups? Because I don't know which let's, one. Yeah, yeah. Let's go with the downs first and sort of okay. let's bottom out and then sort of pick this thing there back up. Okay. Uh, first downs. Down. Let's see. Um, J.C. Jackson. Uh, if this was his, if this was his final game as a Patriot, um, he did not go off on a high note. Um, if there was any guys, and I've heard people around the team basically question some of the effort in this game. I think JC Jackson would be uh, public enemy. Number one in that regard. I thought there were times, even like the very first play of the game, he didn't look like he wanted to engage. He didn't make He made one nice pass tackle in the game. I did have him for one up. I had him for seven minus plays, including I think two missed tackles. Uh, I thought that, you know, if I'm the Patriots and I'm looking at this, there's no way I'm giving J.C. Jackson an extension. I'm tagging him. I'm trading. Even if I have to take pennies on the dollar, look, you know, they have to figure out the cornerback thing, and we'll be talking about the Patriots in the future, you know, going forward for a long time. Um, so we don't need to do that now. But uh, I thought J.C. Jackson was uh, terrible in this game, and uh, I would question his uh, his future here very much. Before we go to the next down, I'm sensing a trend that you mentioned something in there about in the room. It feels like he wasn't completely dialed in. We're hearing that a lot now about individual players here. And that, that has got to be, that's got to be a concern. I mean, now, of course, if he's in their future plans from a contract standpoint, which he might not be, Mm -hmm. um, but from a defensive standpoint, as we've discussed leadership, older guys leaving, we'll, we'll get to that. How about your second down? Uh, Dante Hightower. Um, I didn't see it as a lack of effort for him. It's just obviously his knee's bad. This is something that goes back a while, like when he was a free agent and he went to the Jets and the Jets were going to make an offer and they basically, they didn't like his medicals with his knee. I think that's come full 
boat now where, you know, when he missed the previous week, they left him home uh, from Miami, hoping maybe that the knee would get better, or maybe took a shot or whatnot. He just, he can't, it, he can't, he couldn't play at the end of the season. He was a liability on defense. I don't know what that means for his future. Uh, if I'm him, I probably uh, call it quits before he needs, you know, like knee replacement. He still might need that. Uh, you never know with some of these guys. Uh, a lot of them do, but um, this it was it was not good from Dante Hightower, and I feel for him because I do think this was injury related. Would he real quick? And they know again, this is more of a future thing. But just quickly, is would you could you foresee him coaching? Could he be the next Mayo? Could he be a coach? Does he have interest in that? I, I don't. Being around Dante for most of his career, actually all of his career. I don't really see that in the cards for him. I mean, you know, look, he took the he took the uh, opt out last year with COVID, you know, because of his family. I think right. he's Dante Hightower is one of those guys who's going to be gone and you're never going to hear from him again. He's going to be down and I don't know if he's from Alabama or what, you know, where he played in college, but I see him going there and never returning. Yeah, he's got a newborn too, so maybe focused on fatherhood and yep. completely separate from football. Okay, your mm -hmm. final your final down. Man, I, I there's so many different directions to go in this. Like, you know, I'm just going to mention some guys who were just awful in this game. Uh, Jakob Johnson was bad. Trent Brown was bad. Uh, let's see. Kyle Van Noy was not good. Uh, Judon was not good. Jamie Collins was not good. Juwan Williams was terrible. Almost the whole secondary was awful. But my third pick, I'm going to go with Jonu Smith. I just thought he was... He was terrible in this game. He, you know, bad run blocks. He tips a pass that was intended for Jacoby Myers. Like, he just, there was never a connect between him and this scheme this season. And they need to look very seriously at whether it, he can be a reclamation project or not. I think there's a lot of questions about that. All right, we transition to the ups, and this will lead to our you know bigger picture thoughts, I'm sure, because we're going to talk some, say some nice things we think about some of the younger players on uh, on offense and maybe elsewhere as well. So where do you start with ups? Number one is Mac Jones to me. Uh, I watched the film, and I got to tell you, my biggest takeaway, if you want to feel good about the Patriots, and look, I'm not going to make him out like he's going to be Tom Brady or anything like that, but the most significant thing to me in this game was that the moment was not too big for Mac Jones. I thought he was, especially the first drive of the game, he was ready to go. Him and Kendrick Bourne were ready to go. I don't know about anybody else on this team, but they were ready. I mean, Mac Jones to pull out, you know, he makes the third down throw. Uh, what was that? Uh, third and third and 14 to Hunter Henry. Uh, you know, Bolden had the drop there, which was a killer. They would have been in the red zone. That same drive, second and 10, the, the Johnu Smith tip, you know, Max scrambles on third and 10. You know, yes, he threw the interception, but to me, I thought that was a really good throw. I think nine out of 10 times, that is a touchdown against anybody. At the worst, it's a, it's a, it's an incomplete pass. The guy gets a fingertip on it, breaks it up. Yeah. 99 out of 100 times there's no way that guy anybody picks that off that was an ed reed type play i thought it was it should have been a touchdown against most teams it's a touchdown micah hyde made a better uh play you got to tip your cap uh the other the other interception was not a good decision 
on his part, but I had Mac Jones for uh, 11 pluses in this game, um, four, uh, four, four minus plays. So I thought he was, I thought he was really good in that. And plus it was really cold. So that answered the question Answer for questions. me. I, I still, yep. I, I still have questions about him in the wind because of his arm strength, but at least it was frigid and he threw the ball. Well, I thought his first pass of the game to, uh, I think it was Kendrick Bourne on a comebacker that was from the right hash. And he threw a lot of heat on that. So to me, all, all positive about Mac Jones out of this game. Right. And when you figure with the, any young quarterback, arm strength can improve uh, going forward, right. As time goes yep. on. Um, so mm-hmm. how about your uh, second up? Uh, Kendrick Bourne. I thought, you know, he showed that he's a, uh, he's a game breaker, you know, but a lot of people say, well, he should have gotten more playing time, more touches before this. You, you may be right. I do think, I think it was a it was a longer process for him to get acclimated in this offense and feel capable. I mean, just remember, just a week ago he ran a wrong route against Miami on a key third down, and you know they had to punt. So you know the, we've seen that out of Kendrick uh, since training camp when he he had a lot of issues in training camp with routes and and converting routes and things like that that you need to do in this offense. But um, you know I thought. I thought this was really good. He's tough as nails. He makes plays. Uh, I feel really good about him and Matt going forward. Did you find a way to find a third one? Yeah. I mean, I would, you know, I thought Hunter Henry was, was, uh, you know, pretty good in this game. He had a bad route and he had a drop, but I will say my third up Ted Karras, I also thought was good, but David Andrews, I had him for a completely clean sheet in this game. You know, he wasn't dominating or anything like that. Didn't have any plus plays, but clean sheet as far as pressures and run stuffs in this game. And uh, so that was good to see from one of their leaders. So uh, we'll now kind of transition now into what uh, these this, this final stretch for the Patriots, it's not just this year. It's now become kind of a thing here since they won the Super Bowl in 2018. I know everyone, you know, Ted Johnson's been on airwaves in Boston, how they use those final two games as a tune-up, but no one, no one can say they felt good about that Patriots team heading into that postseason when they had to host the Chargers, then go to Kansas City, and then play the Rams. Uh, that still didn't feel right at the end, of course. And then you you could you could say as a fan in response to that, well, you know, Brady and Bill, there was, the, there was a rift there. Okay, but even so, the last two years now without Brady, it's still pretty evident that Bill Belichick's teams are not finishing the year strong. Um, I, that, that has to be a concern. They're not playing their best football at the most important time of year. And Dare I say, that's kind of what it looked like this past weekend. Teams trending up, playing their best football at the end of the year, did well this past weekend. Yeah, absolutely. And we'll get to that in just a second. But let me tell you about LinkedIn Talent Solutions. These days, it can be hard to find and hire the right candidates for your small business. I should know over at BSJ. That's why LinkedIn Jobs made it easier to find the people you want to talk to faster and for free. Create a free job post in minutes uh, to LinkedIn Jobs to reach your network and beyond to the world's largest professional network of over 770 million people. Focus on candidates with just the right skills and experience and use screening questions to get your role in front of only the most qualified. Then use the simple tools on LinkedIn Jobs to quickly filter and prioritize who you'd like to interview and hire. It's why small businesses rate LinkedIn Jobs number one in delivering quality hires versus leading competitors. 
LinkedIn Jobs helps you find the candidates you want to talk to faster. Did you know every week nearly 40 million job seekers visit visit LinkedIn? Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash Bedard, B-E-D-A-R-D. That's linkedin.com slash Bedard to post your jobs for free. Terms and conditions apply. So, yeah, I mean, your record is what your record is. And going back to, I mean, even this. this, If you keep finishing your contracts like that, you ain't getting any jobs on LinkedIn, right? You got to finish strong. You got to finish out your terms well. Exactly. Uh, You know, I think that you even, so, you know, they win the Super Bowl, what was it, 20? So, 20, even the year they won, they beat the Rams, 2018. You know, they lost two games in December that year after, you know, there was the, the miracle in Miami. There was the, uh, the the Steelers game at Pittsburgh, and you're just like, holy cow, like what is going on with this team? Now, that team was able to, after that, say, all right, we're going to run the ball. We're going to, you know, we're, they were able to go on a, you know, let's just call it a, uh, you know, a fortunate run. I mean, I think that they had some, you know, Tom Brady in Kansas City doing what he did. That was historic. Yes. Uh, you know, I think they benefited by going against Jared Goff in the Super Bowl, and Sean McVay was overwhelmed by Bill Belichick and got completely outcoached. Uh, you know, most seasons like that, the, you're not winning the Super Bowl. The Patriots did credit to them. Um, but that season, 2019, the downfall of the boogeymen, which looked a lot like what we saw um, down the stretch here. Another reason why I don't think you can look at it and say, oh, it's just Josh Allen, where I'm just going to chalk it up to that. You know, last season, they limped to the finish line with a poor December, um, you know, never really put up a fight in the last two months. And then this year, uh, to me, Brendan, I think I think it's something that Bill, Bill Belichick has to look strongly at and say, he has to ask those questions. Why? Why, why is this happening to us? To me, I think that it speaks to how he's deferred to an older roster, especially on defense every year. You know, I mean, I've been calling for years, like just play the kids, like just let's at least see them. And, you know, because young legs last longer, sorry, I just got excited. Almost knocked my microphone off. Uh, Very excited. Uh, But, you know, play the kids and, 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 you know, you keep deferring to Dante Hightower and bringing, you know, Jamie Collins back and, uh, you know, Kyle Van Noy and Lawrence Guy plays a million snaps and Devon Godchow doesn't give you anything. You bring back Dietrich Wise, you know, and Devin McCourty's out there and Juwan Bentley isn't fast and, you know, all this stuff. They're just, they're, you know, they're not mixing in the kids enough to where, you know, sometimes you just need a, a boost from young legs. Right. And I think that's what you've seen at the end of these seasons where, you know, they're just challenged from that standpoint. And now it becomes even more important with only one bye week given out uh, to the top finisher in each conference. Now you're going to have to be playing consecutive weeks even longer, really, in reality to make Super Bowls. And so I think he needs to seriously look at that and say, what's the issue? Because it's not it's not a one off. It's something that's happened year after year. Yeah, from a leadership standpoint, but it also it begs the question, Greg, that he's he's 70 years old. He's trying to maximize his window, and perhaps he's just got this thing where he can't see a younger player take the field that doesn't have enough experience or doesn't think he's ready to go. So that doesn't that make you yeah. ask the question, too? Never mind the actual older personnel, but are the younger coaches on his staff getting younger players 
ready to go at a fast enough rate for them to see the field. It just overall feels kind of stubborn, right? Well, I, I think it's a great point by you, Brendan, because I think that, you know, when I look at, we knew this defense was not all that talented at the end of the year after, you know, especially without Mills out there. Uh, but I've seen more talented Patriots uh, or less talented Patriots defenses do a better job. For example, 2011. I'll always use that example. I thought it was a masterful coaching job by Bill Belichick and that staff that included Pepper Johnson and Patrick Graham, who was the defense coordinator for the Giants this year. Matt Patricia, who's been a head coach and a defensive coordinator. Uh, Josh Boyer, who's been a defensive coordinator with the with the Dolphins, with uh, Brian Flores. And Brian, uh, Brian Flores was a defensive assistant on that SAS. And I'm sorry, the Sterling Moores and Antoine Moldens and, you know, Mark Anderson, I mean, who Sean Ellis, who was terrible that year, who I thought it was going to be a great Patriot. But anyways, you know, <laughs> guys who were just Andre Carter, like these guys who they just brought off the trash heap who really didn't have that much left. For them, to, they, they executed. They played great down the stretch. They didn't have much talent, but they knew how to do their job, and they executed against everybody. And you compare that team and what they did to this team, and you can't help but look at the coaching and just be like, what's going on there? And to tell you the truth, you know, talking to people around the team after this season, you know, everybody wants to know what happened after the bye week. From what I understand, I don't know specifically what happened, but I could tell you Bill Belichick needs to do a deep dive if he wants to, because two of his sons are on that staff and maybe he doesn't want to face reality. Somebody needs to make him face reality that there's a leadership problem on that defense in terms of the coaching staff and how it filters down to the players. You know, I think if I had to guess, put, putting the puzzle pieces together, you know, we saw the first six games of the season, the defense was a mess. Third and 25 against the Cowboys. After that, the defense, great execution. Bill took over the defense, in my opinion. Yes. There was an alpha male on the defensive side. This is what we're going to do. This is how we're going to do it. This is your job. This is what you're going to do. And that's what all the players bought into. I think, I don't know this, but I think after the bye week or during the bye week, Bill gave control back to Steve Belichick and Gerard Mayo and said, all right, these guys are primed and ready to go. Take it home. And I think at that point in time, I think players, some of the players started to have doubts about their role, about what are we doing on defense? Is the game plan the right way? Questioning play calls. Like we heard Devin McCourty questioning play calls in the first six games of the season. Yeah. You know, we didn't hear that outwardly at the podium, but I think that was going on behind the scenes. And I think there was a dis there was certainly a disconnect on defense between the coaches and the players and their execution. And that was reflected on the field. So one of the things Bill has to take a strong look at this off season, if he wants to be honest with himself is what's going on in the defense. Who's going to, who's going to be in charge of the defense next year. Who's going to, who's going to be the alpha male voice. That's going to get crap done. And if it's not, if Gerard leaves, is it going to be Steve? Is that yeah. a path for success? Do you reinstall Matt Patricia who was last seen on the staff giving up, making, Nick Foles look like Josh Allen in Super Bowl uh, 52. You know, those are hard questions that need to be asked. But in my opinion, there's no question. To, talking to people around the team, there was a huge disconnect between the players and the coaches on defense down the stretch. And that was the reason for uh, the fall for them. And if Bill does have that conversation with himself, let's compare it to the quarterback that went out the door. 
Tom Brady going to Tampa almost acknowledged, I can't do this all by myself. Bill has to have that moment for himself as well as a coach. At 70 years old, is anyone going to shame him if he decides to bring, say, a Joe Judge back to run special teams? I know Joe Judge right. at the podium is a pain, but if Bill acknowledges, I need help to finish this thing strong, would anyone blame him for that? No. no Just like no, no one blamed I, Tom Brady for going to Tampa and bringing in Leonard Fournette and bring Gronk back and bring in it's it's kind of the same thing like it's almost Brady admitting like I can't do this all alone at this stage of my career an elite defense they accumulated great young draft picks in that front seven in Tampa if Bill were to bring back some older people to help run a show Dante Scarnecchia for years remember Bill would bring him back and, and say Dante no. please like kind of similar situation here for Bill he has to come around on that but I do understand I think he's found himself Greg I think he's trying to I think he's trying to find a fine line of developing his staff while also trying to still be in charge of everything. And he's having trouble trying to find that balance, mm -hmm. right? It's, especially yeah. if you're saying, what, if, if your intel is correct, which I think you've, you've done a great job historically getting pretty good information, that's kind of a bad sign if you're just going back and forth like, okay, you run the defense. All right, now I'll do it. No, you do it. It's just... That's got to be sorted out in the offseason. Have a clear plan. Mm -hmm. And I think that's – it just – it's a domino effect to the players. So, yeah. Yep. I think there's got to be some sort of, like, like clear-cut plan. Like, like real quick, he's got that with Josh McDaniels, right? Josh runs the mm -hmm. offense, doesn't have to yep. touch it. Maybe, maybe, maybe it's Matt Patricia. I mean, look, I don't – I'm not crazy about that. I don't think yep. a lot of people in the building would be crazy about that. I don't think he's the most popular guy. There and if you remember in the Seth Wickersham book, people basically blame that Super Bowl on Matt Patricia uh, yeah. in Seth Wickersham's book, and I think that's that's my understanding too. And so, but I at least he has experience, and he might have learned a lot of things from Detroit. And you come back, everybody makes mistakes. Nobody's perfect, uh, you right. know. I'm sure Josh McDaniels made a ton of mistakes in Denver, and he he's acknowledged that. So uh, who knows? I mean, in a perfect world, Matt Patricia comes back. He's a better coach. He's the alpha on defense, and they get their crap together. Yep, yep. And maybe, but of course, there's a lot of personnel issues that need to be figured out. Namely, and we'll deal with that in the offseason, but they need more man cover guys, and they need a better defensive line, and they need speed at linebacker. So, um, Exactly right. And it, it maybe, like, take Patricia out of being something that he's not, which is maybe he's not Ernie Adams. Maybe he can still be a defensive coordinator. Uh, real yep. quick before we get to our bostonsportsjournal.com member question of the day. Some specific players you want to hit on that might be back, that might be out. Uh, Trent Brown is a name that comes to mind. Isaiah Wynn, Jonu Smith, Devon Godshaw. Just want to add some quick thoughts there before we get to the question. Yeah, from what I've heard, um, a lot of disappointment in the building about Trent Brown and the way he finished this season. And, you know, remember, he was he was hurt for a, a good portion of the beginning of the season. And he came back and he played well in a couple of games. Uh, they were not happy with the way he finished the season. And at this point, uh, I would be surprised if he's back. Um, I think they were they were excited about that at one point. I don't think that's that's happening. I do think that there is... I think that they have, you know, whether it's Owenu, who, you know, didn't do the job at tackle uh, when he got, or at guard, you know, maybe, maybe he's the guy at tackle, you know, Isaiah Wynn, I think they're going to look hard at, they have the fifth year option, but if you trade him, somebody else takes it, you know, take, you know, pennies on the dollar for him just to get rid of him. I don't think there's a lot of uh, confidence in him. I think 
Justin Haran did a nice job in the last two games. I mean, it wasn't perfect, but, you know, and Yadni Kajust was a guy who uh, showed a lot of promise this year. Yasir Durant was a guy who they went and traded for. So I think they think they have good options. Shaq Mason, I think that's going to be a long conversation in the offseason. Uh, he did not finish the season well. Not that I didn't think it was lack of effort, but uh, I think he's challenged. I think that uh, Johnu Smith, they're going to have to examine whether there's any hope of him having an offseason to take it off and coming back and being better. At this point, I would say no, but I don't know. Devon Godchow, he would be a guy I would definitely move on from. Uh, he, they tried to make him the nose tackle to solve all their issues in there. It did not happen. Uh, he was bad the whole season, just about other than the one Bills game on the road where he was great. Uh, but that was a one-off. So uh, a lot of questions that we'll be dealing with, you know, over at BSJ. Yeah. The season does not stop. Um, you know, we, I will start my uh, season wrap-up looking at the whole season, grading the different units, grading the players, looking at the offseason, how the depth chart comes out, cap-wise, who should go, who should not, what I'm hearing from people in the offseason. So trust me, uh, football season never, ever stops at BSJ. And as it pertains to specific questions about specific players or even coaching hires, Greg will take your questions on the member question of the day. Maybe your, your question will get picked. And let's get to today's bostonsportsjournal.com member question of the day. Check us out over at BSJ, $39.99, our annual plan. Not only do you get top-notch analysis of all the Boston sports teams, but if you're a Patriots junkie, and you're listening to this podcast like you are right now, a membership at BSJ gives you access to a ton of video analysis that Bedard does on the coach's film, direct access to him in weekly chat. So, Greg, this question coming from Randall Rick one What's the depth chart beyond Dave Ziegler in that Black Ops Patriots front office? Yeah, it's a good question because I mean, Ziegler's really only been in the role for one year. I understand that he is a serious uh, candidate with uh, Vegas, which – could also mean that some of the Patriots assistants get involved, whether it's, you know, Mayo or McDaniels Mayo. or, you know, what have you, uh, you know, who, who knows me, even Brian Flores, I don't know, but he is a serious candidate there. So uh, you have to look at that. I mean, I think Brian Smith, who uh, was the, who was the personnel coordinator would sort of be the next guy up. I do think Elliot Wolf is the X factor. He is uh, still considered, I think a scouting consultant because he's getting paid from the Browns, I think still, but Elliot Wolf has had interviews around the league. I think in Chicago he interviewed. Uh, he's well thought of. Um, I know his dad, Ron Wolf, was around a lot during training camp. Um, he's a guy that I've covered, you know, back with the Packers. I think he's really good. Uh, but I think that those would be the two highest names to me if Ziegler. There's also um, Quinn, who was in Detroit with Matt Patricia, who was the GM there. Uh, but, yeah, Bob Quinn. He uh, he's a free agent and, you know, so he could be brought back. Uh, you never know. And maybe there's a Patricia tie in there. Sure. And that goes back to what we just discussed about maybe Bill bringing back some old pals to, you know, we get on him for that sometimes, but just some older folks that can help take some load, take some of the load off him. Right. Uh, he's getting yep. older and that's okay. Um, Greg, we'll uh, so talk. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> We will uh, talk again on Thursday. Thank you, everybody, for tuning in to the Greg Bedard Patriots podcast. Brendan Glasheen filling in for Nick Cattles. He's Greg Bedard. Of course, brought to you by Bet Online AG and LinkedIn Jobs. We'll talk to you again on Thursday.